0: AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. For SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Final phase ending now for America's war in Afghanistan. President Biden had set May 1st as the official start of the withdrawal of the remaining 3,000-plus U.S. troops and about 7,000 NATO soldiers to be completed by the end of the summer. The military had already begun the process, flying equipment back to the U.S., deciding what Afghan security forces get and what's sold as junk in Afghans' markets. According to the Costs of War Project at Brown University, which documents the hidden costs of U.S. military engagement, America is estimated to have spent more than $2 trillion in Afghanistan in the past two decades. Rhonda Rockster reporting. A gunman killing two people in a Green Bay, Wisconsin casino seriously wounded a third before he was shot and killed by police. Investigators believe the gunman had been targeting an individual who was not there. This is SRN News. Charlie Kirk wants to know what the mask is doing to our minds. What has not been discussed at all is what are the potential downsides of masks? I do not even mean epidemiologically or medically? Sung from a human perspective. Do you think that we are appreciating each other's humanity more or less? The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at 11, on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent
1: Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Intelligent Radio, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Brian, and for the weather today, it's going to be a high of 72 with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. Embark with Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher on an extraordinary 10-day adventure through Israel. The Stand with Israel Tour, October 27th through November 5th. Join your fellow patriots by signing up today. Worry-free booking is now open at am 12 athepatriotcom
0: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management
1: stand by for the northern alliance radio network and go launch sequence engineering go flight master control go flight studio engineer go flight we are go for launch in t-minus three two one we have liftoff
0: the northern alliance radio network is on the air Live and local from the AM-1280, the Patriot Studios in Eagan, here is The
2: Closer, Brad Carlson. AM-1280, the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with our number two of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag Narnshow, hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us along at Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a follow. And we we have the live stream up and going. We have a couple of uh, comments, uh, as I was talking about commenter Dan last hour, (laughs) lamenting he couldn't see our guest, uh, Senator Benson. I assure you she was here. Uh, so, and uh, we always appreciate Senator Benson coming down uh, to the studio. Uh, we want to take a transition now, real quick, and move on to our next guest. Uh, honored at this time to be joined by uh, Danielle Butcher. She, the Executive Vice President of the American Conservation Coalition, check out their fine website, acc.eco. Uh, we're going to talk to Danielle uh, specifically about the conservative engagement in the issue of climate change. Now, conservatives, Republicans of of that ilk often chided about how they're not taking the issue very seriously. Well, this organization is taking it very seriously and has some very uh, practical st- uh, positions that they can take in order to alleviate a very serious issue. No question about it. Uh, first and foremost, Danielle Butcher, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Great to have you on today.
3: Hey, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having
2: me on. We appreciate the time. Uh, Danielle, we'll get into um, some of the specific issues and the uh, uh, policy positions for which your organization is advocating. But I'd like to know a little bit about the organization and quite simply when and how you uh, got started uh, with this uh, particular organization.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a story that's certainly very close to my heart. I personally grew up in northern Minnesota, and I think growing up in Minnesota, it's almost impossible not to care about the environment, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on. And so the American Conservation Coalition is a nonprofit organization that was founded in the summer of 2017 by a group of young conservative activists. And it was founded, frankly, because we thought the mainstream environmental dialogue was very extreme and very unfair. And we were young activists who cared about the environment, who cared about climate change. And we didn't see our side of the aisle or the right of center proposing serious solutions. And we were tired of of this narrative that conservatives and Republicans don't care about the environment. And so we started the American Conservation Coalition to give the right of center a voice on these issues.
2: So I guess to just uh, start up front then, um, we want to give our our listeners some assurances. Your organization uh, does not endorse the Green New Deal, Danielle Butcher?
3: We absolutely do not endorse the Green New Deal. There are plenty of much more common sense, limited government, and market-based solutions to the environmental challenges that we face. And we think that those should be getting more airtime. The Green New Deal is frankly not a serious plan, and it shouldn't be considered a serious plan by anyone, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on
2: you know i have often said that uh, the climate change issue it it kind of reminds me uh of immigration in that well it's a hot button issue but also that there would seem to be a lot of common ground among u s citizens I would say the vast majority of u s citizens take immigration seriously as much as they take climate change seriously and have some very practical opinions on how we should approach it but what gets lost is it just seems like you get the more extreme fringe elements uh, that are highlighted in the immigration debate, much like the uh, climate change debate. Is that a fair assessment, Danielle?
3: Yeah, I think that's an absolutely fair assessment. And like I said, this narrative that the right of center doesn't care about the environment is just so unfair and untrue. I mean, look at the GOP's base where they predominantly live. They live in the rural areas. They're sportsmen, they're hunters, they're fishers, they're ranchers, they're farmers. And so this idea that they don't care about the environment because they don't subscribe to these big government takeovers or these government solutions is just not true. And I think that because that narrative has been perpetuated by the left of center for so long, it's a lot more difficult for the right of center to engage on these issues because the second we open our mouths, we're branded as climate deniers.
2: Right. And and I, I it certainly doesn't help a lot of the apocalyptic outlooks. That are brought to the table. I mean, I I can remember back in 2006 uh, uh, when uh, former Vice President Al Gore indicated that we have 10 years until we reach a tipping point, past a point of no return. And now you've got a uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, t- teenage, uh, uh, op- a teenager, basically, opining on the issue. Now that she's held up as some authority, that's not to say that she doesn't uh, she doesn't have a right to an opinion. But I think uh, using someone to give apocalyptic outlooks um, doesn't seem to really uh, help progress any kind of agenda, (laughs) Daniel.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think that that is exactly why it's so important for conservatives to engage on this issue, because look, the left has been driving the narrative on this issue for what the better half of 34 years now, and we haven't made any progress. And if their solutions worked as well as they said they do, then we would have seen progress and we wouldn't see, you know, these ideas about the world ending in 10, 12, 11 years, whatever it is. And so the right of center needs to come forward with our solutions that haven't been tried, but that can work. And, and that's what our group is hoping to do.
2: So specifically uh, what about the uh, Paris climate accord? Obviously when uh, president Trump assumed office, uh, he was committed to removing the United States uh, from the Paris climate accord. They ultimately did. Now that there's a new president, president Joe Biden has made a commitment to uh, rejoin this particular accord. Uh, Did that particular uh, program really have any teeth, Danielle? I mean, wasn't it just kind of a a meritorious thing more than just uh, uh, you need to hold to these climate standards or else? I mean, I guess to to kind of shorten my question, was it really that vital that we be a part of this uh, particular outfit?
3: I mean, listen, like with any international agreement, there's a lot of nuance there. But what it really comes down to in this case is a lot of virtue signaling, right? We're saying that we're going to hold all these countries to these different standards and reducing their emissions. And we have nearly 200 countries that are a part of this. And less than 20 of those countries are actually on track to meet those goals. And so it's a lot of saying nice things that sound good, but not a lot of actual progress. And I think that's one of the problems with the Climate Accords is that it doesn't hold high-polluting countries like China or India accountable for their emissions, and in fact, they're allowed to peak their emissions at some date in the future. And if we take climate change as, serious, as seriously as we say we do, we need to be reducing emissions now.
2: Uh, I'm glad you brought up China, because, uh, recent, within the past uh, couple of weeks, uh, uh, the Biden administration's special uh, climate envoy, uh, John Kerry, uh, had indicated that he and his Chinese counterpart uh, met in a and kind of put out a joint statement that uh, both the U.S. and China uh, agreed to curb climate change with a more sense of urgency. Um, is that really is that a real serious proposal, Danielle? I say that because you know the U.S. is primarily driven on a capitalistic society, where I think it's fair to say China is not. Can we put a lot of stock in that uh, that collaboration there?
3: no i I don't think we can i think that china is a bad actor on these issues and they have been for some time now and as i said earlier we're not holding them accountable for the things they say that they're going to do for example a lot of people on the left will applaud china for being a leader in solar what they don't mention is that china is simultaneously financing coal-powered or coal-powered plants around the world and you know that may see it may seem like they're reducing their emissions domestically, but internationally, they're paying for all these coal-fired power plants, which is significantly increasing emissions. And so, we can't take anything they say at face value, and we need to be a lot more tough on them on these issues.
2: Uh, speaking of coal power, obviously, that was a, a kind of a really a center at the debate of the uh, election when whenever the climate issue uh, cropped up, where uh, the, the Biden uh, the Biden campaign uh, talked about. You know, getting away from a lot of uh, that particular industry, one that would really kill a lot of jobs in, say, uh, West Virginia or, uh, or Pennsylvania, those who still are operating in, say, traditional coal mines. Is there any way uh, from your organization's point of view that we can officially, uh, or efficiently uh, operate in the coal industry, or do you think that that's more of a passe form of energy?
3: I mean, look, I think that's for the market to decide. And the market has been trending away from coal without the intervention of government. And so there's no need for government to step in and destroy these jobs uh, because the market is already taking care of these problems for us. And we're coming up with solutions like carbon capture technology that allow us to use coal in a way that is more clean. And so as the market transitions, we can reduce emissions still
2: so uh talk a little bit, I guess when your organization and uh when you're engaging uh on this issue i mean obviously uh our friends on the progressive side of the aisle they have a more uh, a substantially different uh approach, i should say, one that would uh certainly undermine our our capitalistic society, so when you're engaging trying to find common ground um Because we're so tribalistic in this country right now with between progressive and conservative, uh, are you finding that you're able to have uh, productive discussions with the other side or are they just dismissing you and say, well, conservative must be one of those climate deniers. We don't want to have anything talking with you. Talk a little bit about the dialogue that you attempt to have with some of these folks.
3: Right. I mean, I think you have to bring this dialogue as close to down to earth as you possibly can. I mean, young people today say that they hate capitalism and they want to embrace socialism, and yet they love their iPhones, which are made from fossil fuels and made from capitalism. And so I I think that there's this idea on the left that you can just cancel fossil fuels and that everything will be – clean and green and good to go. And that's just not the case. Our society relies on fossil fuels. And so whether or not you agree with using them as a form of energy, we can't just transition away from them overnight. We need to be having productive dialogues about how we can, you know, be as green and as clean as possible, but still function in society the way the way that we do now without, you know, completely changing people's lives.
2: And of course the uh, kind of uh, the dialogue and say our side of the aisle, the right of center aisle, I mean, we're, Again, conservatives, Republicans are often chided as, you know, being uh, climate change deniers and uh, as those who look at it as a, as a hoax. Do you find that as you're uh, engaging with, say, Republican, conservative uh, elected officials, are they being willing to actively engage in this or are you indeed finding that they aren't taking it as seriously?
3: You know, I think that people do take this issue serious, but they're afraid of what admitting this problem means for them in terms of solutions and actually there was a study done that showed when you talk to people who are right of center about climate change their instinct was to downplay the problem. But if you approach them with a solution that was in their value set, so if you approach them with a solution that was market-based or limited government, they were much more enthusiastic about embracing this challenge and finding solutions for it. And so I think that this is part of why we have to change the narrative and the dialogue around climate change, because people recognize that it's a problem. They just don't want you know, this problem to overshadow every other aspect of their life. They don't want to overhaul the economy. They don't want to lose millions of jobs. They want to have something that can be good for the environment and good for the economy. And that's what I think conservatives offer to this um this dialogue.
2: Once again we are joined by Danielle Butcher. She, the executive vice president of the American Conservation Coalition. Again, check out their fine website, acc.eco. That's acc.eco. Uh, Danielle, we have to take a quick break. Are you able to hold during the break for another segment with us? Yes, I am. Fantastic. We'll be back with another segment with Danielle Butcher. And if you have a comment or question, feel free to give us a call, 651 289 4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. That's hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Again, if you'd like to weigh in via Twitter or leave a comment at our live stream on Facebook. Back with another segment with Danielle Butcher with me, Brad Carlson. Go nowhere.
0: Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM-1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. I appeal to you to
4: fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station. And that is just patronize
0: their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. Now that spring is here, your windshield may be exposed to a few more uh, hazards. So trust your repairs to Advantage auto Glass. Hi, John Wichko here, owner of Advantage Auto Glass. I'd like to invite you to finally get that chipped or cracked windshield fixed right the first time. You root for your home team, so why not trust your windshield to your hometown repair shop, Advantage Auto Glass. So give us a call today at
1: 952-423-6396 and we'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives. Or if you call your agent or your claims line first, make sure you tell them you
0: want to work with Advantage Auto Glass and no one else. Call Advantage Auto Glass today at 952 423 6396. And don't forget, you can schedule your appointment on our website at replacemywindshield.com. That's replacemywindshield.com.
1: For chips,
0: mix for cracks. Call Advantage Auto Glass.
1: Do you want to work with a Patriot owned company that will take care of you when the storm hits? Call Estate Claims Services. Estate Claims Services will work directly with your insurance company to determine the full scope of repairs needed for your project. They will conduct a free comprehensive inspection to make sure that all important details to repair your roof are included. Estate Claims Services will work around the clock to provide you with superior customer service. In fact, they have built their reputation by being accessible. When you need answers about your roofing project, you can call them anytime, day or night, and they'll respond. If you have storm damage or the next time a storm hits, contact Estate Claims Services. Check out their online reviews and a rating by the Better Business Bureau. Estate Claims Services, a local Patriot-owned company specializing in roofing, siding, and window replacement, providing outstanding labor and material warranty. You can trust that Estate Claims Services will be around long after the work is done. Find them online at estateclaimservices.com.
0: Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join. So visit am1280thepatriot.com today.
2: Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. you this is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. Hey, folks, don't forget, 2021 marks our 20th year on air. How could you forget? I mean, we mention it practically every week, right? <laughs> uh, we're celebrating all year long with a variety of on-air features, familiar voices, past and present, and maybe even an event or two, but we wouldn't want to spoil the surprise. Yeah, folks, as the COVID restrictions are being loosened, we're going to have some in-person events Can't get into specifics because I don't think anything is solidified yet, but you're going to want to just keep tabs on all of that by going to our website, am1280thepatriot.com, or just continuing to listen to our fine program here at AM1280thepatriot. Again, honored to be joined via telephone by Danielle Butcher. She, the executive vice president with American uh, Conservation Coalition. Check out their fine work again, acc.eco. Danielle, I guess um, I've been kind of doing a little uh, research on the organization watching some interviews that you and your colleagues have given uh via YouTube. Uh tell us a little bit about the uh 50 day cross country tour you all took in a uh, Tesla. Do I have that the uh, basic facts of that right Daniel Butcher? Is Daniel with us? Did, she, did we get cut off? Oh, I got it. I was interested in hearing about that. I was I looked up a video that she did an interview about uh, her and her colleagues. Uh, did a uh, cross country trek in the uh, in a Tesla. So I'm hoping to get her back on the line. Do you have her on the line? Okay, or do you need to call her back? Okay, well we'll get, we'll be sure to get Danielle back on the on the line. But again, uh, check out their website acc.eco uh, for uh, more information about their uh, fine organization and how uh, you can get involved. Okay, uh, Danielle, you back with us? Yes, I am. So sorry about that. Oh, no, our, our apologies. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, glad to have you back. Uh, I was kind of setting it up uh, this uh, for this next segment here. Uh, I was doing a little research online, kind of uh, watching some YouTube videos of you and your colleagues uh, speaking at different forums as well as giving different personal interviews. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners, if you'd like, uh, you and some of your colleagues took a, uh, a 50-day tour cross-country in a Tesla. Do I have the basic facts of that right, Danielle Butcher?
3: yes we did that was called our electric election road trip and we took an electric vehicle a tesla around the country for 50 days i believe we stopped in 35 different states and basically we were going around the country to highlight local climate solutions and local leaders because we hear so often about how nothing's being done and how, you know, we need a Green New Deal because nothing's being done. And so we wanted to show that there are things being done and that they can start very locally. And that's what's going to make the difference ultimately is local solutions and local leaders rather than the federal government coming in and overreaching. And so we saw some really cool technology. For example, we visited a dairy farm in Wisconsin that did anaerobic digestion, basically turning waste from cows into liquid natural gas, which was incredible innovation that no one knows about. Uh, And so we were just going around the country and highlighting things like that. And it was a really incredible experience.
2: So did you personally have the opportunity to drive it, Danielle? And what...
3: I personally did not okay there was a, a lot a lot of competitiveness over who got to drive the Tesla, and I decided to bow out of that one, but it was a lot of fun, and I heard it was like driving a spaceship basically
2: okay and, and how about now um, from the technology that that specific vehicle uses uh, were, were was there any challenges along the way to to ensure that you're able to uh, to keep that vehicle adequately charged and keep uh, going on this particular tour?
3: Yeah, I mean, going around the country in an electric vehicle was certainly an experience and it required a certain level of planning in advance to make sure sure that we were stopping in areas that had chargers. And so it was a really cool piece of technology and really cool to experience. I think the infrastructure is probably not quite there yet for everyone to own an electric vehicle. But if you're in an area that has the charging infrastructure, it was a really seamless experience. You basically just plug the car in overnight and the next day you're good to go.
2: Now, what about some of the concerns that I've heard, specifically as it relates to, say, a a Prius, like when you uh, use that specific technology and you have to, uh, you know, change out the battery, however often you may have to do that, and the environmental impacts that that have? I know people always lament that when they bring up the prospects of maybe switching to all uh, electric vehicles. I mean, is that just something that, you know, we may not be able to handle that from an environmental standpoint quite yet, but it just takes further innovation and time to uh, alleviate that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a harsh reality to the environmental conversation that not a lot of people want to admit is that anything humans do is going to have some sort of environmental impact. And so what we need to do as a society is decide what those tradeoffs are and when it's worth it and when it's not. And I think that this is one of those examples of is it going to be perfect for the environment? No, but is the net impact going to be positive yes and so you just have to kind of weigh those pros and cons and you can see that across pretty much any green solution whether that's solar or nuclear or whatever whatever it is you're considering
2: yeah i'm glad you uh, I, that's a great segue by the way daniel i am glad you invoke nuclear energy um from everything i've heard about i'm certainly far from an expert but everything i've heard about it from people who are in the know say that it's a it's a cl- it's clean it's inexpensive however they're just There seems to be a hesitance to really implement it on a larger scale than it already is being utilized. Why do you think that is?
3: You know, I think a lot of people don't know much about nuclear power, and quite frankly, they're a little bit afraid of it. And I think, you know, the mainstream media has certainly increased that because you see all these shows about nuclear apocalypse, and even a show as innocent as, like, The Simpsons has not done a great job of characterizing <laughs> nuclear energy, right? Sure. <laughs> and so I think people have these stereotypes about nuclear energy, and they're a little bit hesitant to embrace it. But the fact of the matter is, actually, across all energy industries, Nuclear is the safest, safer than even rooftop solar. And I think that when you look at the hard numbers of the clean energy that it can provide and the number of incidents there are, it is by and large a very clear choice to make if you're looking to reduce emissions.
2: Obviously, most of the country watched in in shock and even a genuine concern. Uh, what happened in uh, the state of Texas earlier this year had incredibly unseasonably cold weather that, uh, really had an adverse impact on the on the state's power grid uh, to the point where many people were without power for a number of days. And we get it. An event like that in Texas is rare, and they don't have quite the infrastructure to deal with it, as we do, obviously, here in Minnesota. But we heard a lot about, again, the ineffectual uh, impact on its um on the state uh, power grid down there in Texas. From an environmental standpoint, Danielle, what can Texas do to go forward to ensure that, you know, on the rare occasion that they do have the unseasonably cold weather, something like this doesn't happen again?
3: Mm -hmm. I think what this comes down to is, as you mentioned, grid efficiency. Texas is a really interesting state energy-wise because they have a very open energy market, and they are definitely leaders in natural gas, but they're also leaders in wind power, and a lot of people don't know that. I think it's mm. something like if Texas were its own country, it would be fifth in the world for wind power. Wow. And so what it comes down to for Texas isn't necessarily a matter of having a diverse energy portfolio, but of having an efficient grid. And that's why it's so important that we keep our infrastructure up to date so that we can avoid things like what happened in Texas.
2: Obviously, you know, we've we've talked a little bit uh, about the Green New Deal and how that has been Uh, Touted really since day one when you had a lot of the progressive elected officials getting together. And, of course, you know, we talk about kind of uh, hyperbolic and, I dare say, irresponsible rhetoric coming from Congresswoman uh, Ocasio-Cortez saying, you know, we don't have 12 years, we have 14 months. Again, we concede that kind of rhetoric doesn't help. But nevertheless, the Green New Deal is what seems to be more highly touted through media outlets and everything else. But something that wasn't really touted, and I know your organization has tried to bring uh, a light to it, is there have been some policies proposed by Republican members of Congress, uh, whether it's not getting a lot of play or they're dead on arrival. There have been proposals. What specifically can you tell us about these proposals?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, first of all, you can tell how serious someone is about climate change or the environment by whether or not they know of plans outside of the Green New Deal, right? Like if the Green New Deal is the only environmental plan you know, you're probably not that invested in the conversation. And so you look at the right of center and there have been bill after bill introduced. You have the Growing Climate Solutions Act, you have the Best Act, the Use It Act. And in fact, Leader McCarthy actually just introduced a climate plan that has more than 30 bills. And many of them are bipartisan. And so the idea that Republicans are not taking this issue seriously and are not proposing their own solutions is just not true. Um, One of my favorite bills is Congressman Westerman's Trillion Trees Act. And it's about as simple as it sounds. It's about planting trees because Mm. trees naturally sequester carbon. It's a natural solution, and it's very bipartisan. Who could be against planting trees? And yet no one has ever heard of it.
2: Once again, we've been joined by Danielle Butcher, Executive Vice President with the American Conservation Coalition. Danielle, we only have about 30 seconds left. If you'd like to highlight uh, some, I've highlighted your website. If you have any other social media platforms you'd like to highlight, uh, now's your time to do it. Go ahead.
3: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. You can find my organization on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ACC underscore national. And you can find me on Twitter at Danny S. Butcher.
2: Fantastic. Uh, Danielle, uh, an honor to have you on the broadcast today. Thank you so much uh, for sharing with us, and uh, thank you to your organization providing some uh, substantive, legitimate uh, uh, engagement in the climate issue. Very heartening to hear. Thanks so much again. Best of luck going forward, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you. You as well. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go Nowhere.
0: High pressure, hot water. American Pressure is your local family-owned source for pressure washers since 1976. We focus on what you need to clean. We offer the best brands of hot and cold pressure washers, complete wash base, portable systems, and custom build. We do it all for you. If you need hot water and high pressure, think American Pressure. That's AmericanPressure.com.
5: And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started.
0: Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-860-4610. 800-860-4610. 800-860-4610. That's 800-860-4614. I didn't know what to say to you then. I knew
2: would Welcome back. AM128 the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another segment on the broadcast. What am I supposed to do now? I don't have a guest. <laughs> hey 651 six five one-two eight nine-four four eight 4488 is the number to call. Yeah, we'll figure something out. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, that's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Yeah, in all seriousness, this has been a great show. Thanks again to Minnesota State Senator Michelle Benson, as well as uh, Danielle Butcher, who is the Executive Vice President of uh, American Conservation Coalition. Uh, terrific stuff. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed those visits, so now I guess I have to uh, <laughs> move on to other topics. Uh, but, yeah, I do have some other topics uh, I want to get to. I'm kind of switching gears here a little bit. I've said many times on this broadcast that there are plenty of groups, organizations, media outlets who are more interested in keeping citizens divided than they are being unified. I I mean... The climate issue is a great example. I mean, what a great segue, right? I mean, we just talked to uh, to Daniel Butcher about that, about how the vast majority of citizens agree, yeah, climate's a problem, you know, people of all political stripes, but it's the approaches, the way to go about it. And if, and if you're not a progressive and you're not basically interested in undermining the economy as we know it, then you're just... Dismissed as a, uh, uh, as basically a climate denier. I, I mean, I'll never forget last year. You know when the pandemic got started and basically the United States was shut down for two or three months. You know, businesses were shut down, public transportation was shut down. People either were laid off from their jobs or working from home. But either way, traffic was certainly uh, lightened up significantly and there was a report that emissions carbon emissions dropped significantly like by 17% in that time frame and of course you had the uh the climate change specifically the progressives on the climate change issue wow see look at that we can re- reduce the carbon carbon emissions yeah but at what cost i mean how much how much of a hit did our economy take in that 3 month time frame i mean d- unemployment was up close to double digits i mean do we have to get to a borderline apocalyptic situation in our country in order to achieve that? No thanks. And so kudos to the folks at, uh, again, the American uh, Conservation Coalition for addressing this issue. But I bring that all up to say that there are people who want to keep us divided. And and another issue has to do, I dare say, with race relations. I mean, we saw the reaction to Tim Scott Senator Tim Scott, Republican out of South Carolina, when he gave the uh, GOP response to President Biden's address to the joint session of Congress. I mean, because he had the audacity to say that racism is not as pervasive in this country as some people are saying. He's basically written off as a, uh, well, Aaron May Quaid, former DFL lieutenant governor candidate in 2018. What was her what was her tweet that she put out? Not all skin folk or kin folk. Okay? Basically, hey, not all minorities are on our side. You know, I I uh, another one was uh well, Uncle Tim was trending on Twitter. Okay? Before Jack uh, Jack Dorsey founder and CEO of Twitter finally said, well, well, "Well, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. We'll 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 mute that as a trending topic." Well, I dare say if it were a topic where conservative, well, this did happen where conservatives were questioning a lot of the COVID restrictions put forth by the federal government. Their accounts were suspended. Okay. But yet uncle Tim is a a, a flat out racist connotation was allowed to trend for how long on Twitter before Jack Dorsey finally got rid of it. So, that's this is one area where there are some organizations that look to keep us divided because it's a very lucrative business heck the uh the head of black lives matter new york post blew the lid off that story a few weeks ago how she has four different homes okay totaling about how many millions of dollars that she spent in these four different homes how many of those millions of dollars that she spent in these homes okay could have gone to oh, I don't know, better black lives? If you're head of an organization called Black Lives Matter, wouldn't you think that that would be your your mission statement? To find a way to improve black lives? Well, I bring this up because Black Lives Matter recently compiled a section dedicated to Micaiah Bryant. She was the 16-year-old young lady who was shot and killed by police in Columbus, Ohio, like, I think it was a couple weeks now, two, three weeks ago, whenever this was, uh, when she attempted to stab a young lady. Uh, I've heard reports it was a 13-year-old girl, fellow teenager. Her name hasn't been released, and if she's younger than 18, nor should it be released. But police shot and killed Micaiah Bryant when she lunged at a 13-year-old girl with a knife. And of course, people are saying just chalked it up. Well, there you go, there you go. Just another another police shooting. White cop shoots black person. There we go. And and of course, they played it up the day, the minute, practically the minute the Chauvin verdict, Derek Chauvin verdict was being read, another black life w- was taken at the hands of police. When will it end? Well, I will read for you the section that Black Lives Matter notated for Micaiah Bryant. Maybe venture a guess what's missing. Uh, Here it is. At the exact same time the verdict of Derek Chauvin was being read for murdering George Floyd, police wasted no time in senselessly taking another black child. Micaiah Bryant. We say her name. Micaiah Bryant called the police for help. Columbus police officer Nicholas Reardon showed up and shot this 16-year-old child point-blank within a matter of seconds. Another black life stolen with no regard. Together, we're going to uplift, center, and honor this black child for what she loved. Doing her hair, making TikToks, and being a teenager. Her account is, cert- is currently deactivated, but we've been compiled a few of her TikToks on social media so we can all remember her joy. Micaiah Bryant's life mattered. That's it. What was missing from that? Anyone venture a guess? Yeah. How about the fact that, oh, I don't know, she lunged at another uh, girl with a knife and was about to plunge it into this girl before police shot her? That doesn't factor in at all. Now, again, I'm not denying her life mattered. Absolutely it mattered. She was 16 years old, and she had every opportunity to still turn around her troubled life because she was in foster care, and obviously she had issues with her biological family, hence the need to be placed in foster care. And the hopes for the being placed in the foster system is that you can be with a family that tries to give you some stability or maybe kind of, you know, change the narrative of your life. I've known people who've gone through foster care, and, it, and it's bettered their lives because their biological family, for whatever reason, was a mess. So absolutely, her life mattered. No one's denying that. But the way they frame this is to say that, well, she called police for help, and look what happened. She wound up dead. So we're going to leave out the fact that police responded to this 911 call. They show up to the front lawn of this Columbus, Ohio home. And what they see is Micaiah Bryant push some girl down in front of police. And all of a sudden the cop sees Micaiah Bryant pull out a knife and lunge at a different girl about to stab this girl. And police reacted. They responded to lethal force. This This was a lethal act. I'm sorry, if you have a knife above your head and you're about to plunge it into another human being, that's a lethal act. That that can't be debated. And police responded accordingly. And here's something that I can't get past. Um, yeah, at the exact same time the verdict of Derek Chauvin was being read for murdering George Floyd, police wasted no time in senselessly taking another black child, senselessly taking another black child. If the teenager, the black teenager who Micaiah Bryant was going to stab, I hope she doesn't read that. Because you know what that implies? Police should have just let her stab the the girl in pink. How can you read it any other way? Senselessly taking another life? Well, if he hadn't shot Micaiah Bryant, Micaiah Bryant would have stabbed the girl in pink, likely would have killed her or done severe damage. So apparently that black life doesn't matter. If I'm to deduce what I'm reading here, the young lady in pink who Micaiah Bryant was about to stab, her life didn't matter. It was a black life, but apparently only some Black Lives Matter. Like ones that, oh, I don't know, you could use as a cudgel for political purposes? So I, I, I just, I, I'm just stunned at how this organization, Black Lives Matter, which, again, got started after Trayvon Martin was, was killed by George Zimmerman. You remember that incident back 2011-2012 time frame. Trayvon Martin, just a black kid in a hoodie, walking through a neighborhood. He wasn't armed. And we'll never know what really happened. Okay, because there wasn't a video camera available like there was for the killing of George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. Thank God there was video of those two atrocities. But George Zimmerman was charged with second-degree murder, but there wasn't enough evidence for that, and it was an overcharge, and therefore he was acquitted. Well, Trayvon Martin, his uh, character was basically being assassinated by some people where they put up pictures of him smoking dope or whatever else or uh, flashing gang signs. I I don't know what specifically, but the point is Trayvon Martin, after he was dead, people were saying, well, don't hold this kid up to be some sort of angel. Well, whether he was or wasn't, he didn't deserve to die like that. His life mattered, and hence, that's how the organization got started. Black Lives Matter. Who can't support an organization getting started with that with that particular cause in mind? But yet, unfortunately, you get too many other elements coming in and hijacking it. And here's the problem. they. I, I think they've since taken it down. But they had a section of their website talking about smashing the patriarchy. You know, getting rid of that old uh, uh, white person thinking of uh, having some sort of patriarchy. You know, the nuclear family, well, that's that—that's some sort of white person type of privilege or white privilege. Well, studies show that a nuclear family in the black community has far less issues than one that's, than a black family that has a broken home. And i Sure, that same—that's true of white families as well. Okay, but you see where the—you see what's happening here. This flies in the face of the whole smash the patriarchy thing because if Micaiah Bryant had a stable home life, nuclear family, she might not have been in foster care. Okay, but we 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 can't discuss these things apparently. So, you know, again, I I, I just. I'm disturbed how Black Lives Matter, an organization again that started with a righteous cause, you know, they, they've beclowned themselves over the past couple of years, and it seems to me Black Lives are not being improved one iota by this organization. Well, there's at least one Black life we know, Black life we know that's living pretty good, to the tune of four different houses, i.e., the head of Black Lives Matter. You know, if only, if only there was a collective in America committed. Uh, to presenting unvarnished unvarnished reporting of facts in response to uh, dubious statements, like saying Micaiah Bryant called for help and because of that she was shot by police. If only there was a collective that presented facts and refutations to, I don't know, fake news or incorrect facts, we ought to get one of those institutions. I bet they'd be covered by the First Amendment too. 651-289-4488 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson the Closer coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Spent
4: forty-eight dollars last night at the county fair. AM
0: 1280 the Patriot silver zany sound effect uh we were gonna write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com but considering how easy it is to do we'll keep it simple too listen to the patriot on the free radio.com app This
4: is Dennis Prager along with fellow host Mike Gallagher. We both want to invite you to join us for the trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land this October. I personally can't get enough of the great state of Israel and its historical significance. Join us to be amazed and inspired. Dennis and I have planned out every minute of this trip in detail with Salem Media Group and our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. You'll have the best experience imaginable. We're confident by October our trip will be safe. So register today worry-free until July 6th with no cancellation fees. We'll sail on the Sea of Galilee in boats that are replicas of the ones Jesus sailed in with His disciples. Experience unforgettable cuisine and join us for an authentic Sabbath service. It's something you'll never forget. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com to register or call 855-565-5519. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Book worry-free until July 6th.
0: And cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member of And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country.
3: Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve.
0: AFreserve.com.
3: Dad, guess what? What?
0: Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'm in, love. I'm in love. One final segment on the broadcast. The Thanks, as always, for tuning in. You know, I uh, I kind of was starting the last segment talking about how there are just some institutions hell-bent on keeping us divided in this country. Specifically, you have Black Lives Matter putting up the statement saying Micaiah Bryant called the police for help. Columbus police officer Nicholas Reardon showed up and shot the 16-year-old child point-blank within a matter of seconds. Nothing about this 16-year-old about ready to plunge a knife into another teenager. That I think that's some pretty important context. Now, again, nobody is denying that Micaiah Bryant's life matters. No one is denying that. But this is important context. And the problem is this, if if it's described as what it is, The police showing up and saving a teenager, a black teenager's life. Well, that kind of flies in the face of the narrative of abolish or defund all police now, doesn't it? Yeah, of course it does. And speaking of inconvenient narratives, uh, did you happen to see the response of Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison uh, when he was asked if Derek Chauvin's killing of George Floyd was a hate crime? I think he was on 60 Minutes uh, the Sunday after the Chauvin verdict was handed down. This is Keith Ellison's quote. I wouldn't call it that a hate crime uh, because hate crimes are crimes when there's an explicit motive and of bias, Ellison said. We don't have any evidence that Derek Chauvin factored in George Floyd's race as he, di- uh, as he did what he did. But yet, that didn't stop President Biden from implying that systemic racism was the catalyst for Chauvin's actions. And Andrew McCarthy, who, wrote about, who writes at National Review, he wrote about this after the, after the Chauvin uh, verdict was handed down, that, uh, well, I'll just read his last couple paragraphs of the piece. Uh, the Biden administration and congressional Democrats are using the Chauvin murder conviction as the premise for claiming that policing in America must be transformed by legislation and Justice Department monitoring because it smacks of white racism against black people. This uh, transformation, we are told, must begin with such steps as an official government assumption that racism explains why blacks are arrested at a disproportionately high rate compared with their share of the overall population and a categorical ban on chokeholds. And yet, these are the facts. George Floyd was arrested, not based on a police assumption, but in response to a credible citizen complaint. Black citizen called the police, by the way, that he committed a crime coupled with obvious evidence that he was high on drugs while operating a car. Yeah, because if the police had let George Floyd just drive away while he was high on drugs, what if he killed somebody? That would have certainly been a stain on the police force, wouldn't it? Uh, but the police never choked George Floyd, and there was no evidence that racism motivated the police to mistreat him. But again that, flies, again, that flies in the face of this whole defund police, abolish the police. Okay? And justice moved swiftly in the George Floyd case. The officers were fired within 24 hours of that incident, of that videotape of that incident becoming public. And guess what? At the intersection where George Floyd was killed, I've said this many times on the show, there was a peaceful gathering of citizens of many races, uh, class, background, political stripes, whatever. Very peaceful. Because the vast, overwhelming majority saw that videotape and were sickened by it and said justice needs to be done. No one excused what that officer was doing. The arrest was... Was that appropriate? Yes, but the tactics above and beyond detaining him, no. And the jury found him guilty of second degree murder, and Derek Chauvin is going to be going to jail for a long, long time because of that. And then the trials of the other officers is going to take place in the next couple months. So, even Keith Ellison, it, this was so hilarious, by the way, when this when this statement that Keith Ellison made, saying there was no evidence of a hate crime, Keith Ellison was chided by people as, oh, I guess Keith Ellison works for Fox News now, apparently. Yeah, we're upsetting narratives apparently now. So we're seeing it very close. The bottom line here is there are some institutions and elements hell-bent on keeping this country divided, and I'm opting out. Not having anything to do with it. Sorry. Folks, as always, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in, AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back in the Patriot Bunker next week, same time. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week.
6: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son, founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal.
5: a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now.
0: 800 884 9018 800 884 9018 800 884 9018 That's 800 884-9018. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018 and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from die I got a hold of JTR through Friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it but there were other things that needed addressing and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in, and railings, and and doing some electrical, and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again, because he couldn't believe the difference.
3: Contact JTR Roofing now for your
0: siding, roofing, and window needs. AM 1280, the Patriot.